Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio.
I'm, I want to make sure he don't think I want your job. I say you shut your ass up, Tom. But anyway, keep calling me back. With, yeah, man. With, with, with that being said, man, you went out and you started your own radio show, and that should be applauded because, you know, with the internet, you can do whatever you want to do. There's no reason for you to sit around and go, "I'm waiting for somebody to give me something." You right. want a radio show? You can be in your mama bedroom, and there's a lot of comedians right now sharing the bedroom with their mama. <laughs> they mama go to, they mama, when they mama go to work. Good over, mama. You know, yeah, well, tell mama to scoot over because I'm doing my show. You see me doing my show. I'm doing my show, mama. And do your show. And your mama's going to be happy yeah. you doing your show in the, in the bedroom on the ship road. You know, it's going to be done. I'm happy for you, man. Congratulations, man. Hey, hey, Congratulations. Speaking, speaking of kissing, duel and ass kissing. <laughs> man, you, you got so much going on, dude. I mean... Uh, I, I really know. I know you old as hell. You understand? Yes, I'm very old. Oh, but you fucking you look good. No, let me finish kissing your ass. You fucking look incredible. You're you're damn you're you're up at the crack of dawn. See, I I, I respect you so much because I sat in for you one day and I was it's sleeping. Not a, it's not a, it's not a play with it. Is it? I see. It was it was five a.m. You got to get up really what two a.m. I get up at two. Now, you did this show in Atlanta, right? I was in Atlanta. Yeah, I do it in L.A. So we you do it, so you three two. hours behind, man. Two, two, I get up at 2. I'm leaving the house at 2.30. It ain't that, nothing to play with. That is nothing and, to play with. And you ain't got to just get up. Your ass you got to be up. Funny. <laughs> you yeah, got to be alert. Funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, you ain't making donuts where you can just get up and turn on the donut machine. Right. Don't sit on and go to the house some damn way. <laughs> no, you got to, you got to have your ass up and listen. Yeah. Now yeah, I must admit, I have fell asleep a couple of times on that show. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. A lot of times, if you don't hear me talking, I might be asleep. And I'll come back. I'll come, come back. back on the come next. back. Rejuvenate. I'll come back. I'll come back. But I got to get me a power nap, man. Yes. Wow, that's a bad. I think they was worried about me falling asleep because they because <laughs> they kept talking to me in the breaks. <laughs> like man, let me lay down. Now, so look, man, this this show is about about you today, man. You got so much great stuff going on. Let's talk about Ricky Smiley, man, because this show is so funny, and man, you are definitely the heartbeat of this show. Uh, yourself, Ricky Smiley, Roz Ryan. Um, uh, just a great cast of characters, the kids, uh, Ray J, you understand me, Demetri McKinney. Uh, how did this whole show come about for you, man? Well, you know how comics talk to each other. If I ever get something, I'm going to put you in it. I mean, what comic hadn't said that to you? Yeah. It's just what people say. But, you know, Ricky is just a man to his word. If he says something, it's bond. Okay. And he, he got the show, and I so happened to I know his manager, who's Yolanda Stocks, who's responsible for putting me on uh, the Tom Jordan show. And, really? You know, the rest, yeah, that's how I got on. If it hadn't been for Yolanda you know, introducing me to Tom, I never would have met Tom. She was really instrumental in putting a lot of the comics who had gone on Def Jam and had, like, what you call, like, an outstanding set, you know, like Steve Harvey or Dale Gibbons and all that. So after I, I did a show, we just kind of talked. You know, just a regular interview. 
I said, yeah. man, I don't want to be on your show. I was working with Rico Reed in L.A., and I wasn't making any money there. And I said, Tom, I'll come on your show and work for nothing. That's that's what I said. Wow. A lot of people, you know, he let me come on the show. I did the song parodies, and we were just doing that on Friday, and people said, man, you should have this guy on every day. And that's how I got on. Now, Tom will tell you that Jay showed up one day, and he never left. That's what he <laughs> He won't leave. <laughs> he won't leave. This guy won't leave. He just will not leave. It's a man back there by the mic. What do we do? I don't yeah, know. Just he just won't leave. But turn, is, turn the mic off. the best job in the world, man. I absolutely love it. It's just what you hear. Mm. I mean, the fun and the energy is its just what you hear. And especially when people like yourself come on or Corey Holcomb or other comedians. I love to hear these guys, you know, riff on the radio because it's like three comics talking to eight million, two comics talking to eight million people. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And there's so much stuff happening in the news that for a comedian, man, this is golden. These are the golden times. Yeah, man, I, you know, I found that I was a lot more current of a comedian when I did my radio thing because you have to pay attention to everything every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Now, how, how often do you do your show? I, I do this show. This show is uh, once a week on Monday. And uh, so I do this show once a week. But... Um, you know, you know, I had an opportunity. I, I want to. I want you to really get into the story because I think people don't know. People, everybody want what you have, but they're not willing to do what you did. And you know, just speak to you know you you going to Tom and saying, man, I'll come down there and work for free because when I worked over at KJLH, a lot of people didn't know in L.A. I was on the air every day with Cliff Winston, but I wasn't making a quarter. Well, hey, I don't think they paid any money over at KGLH, but I worked for Rico Reed for five years, and dude never gave me gas money. But it taught me how to do radio. Yes, very I, true. I learned so much. I learned how to get in quick and get out, and that's what radio is. And, I, and I'm not knocking anybody, and I won't call anybody names, but you can have a lot of comics come on the radio, and you say, well, what's happening today? And they well, ain't nothing happening. They don't know how to do radio. Yeah, they you got to hit that button. You got to hit that button. They know how to do the stage. A lot are learning because a lot more are going on radio now, uh, hyping up their show. So that that little bit that you walk into that studio, teaches you, well, I got maybe three seconds or 30 seconds in this break to pitch what I'm talking about. I got to be funny, and I want to sell some tickets. So people are learning from that. But that's how I learned how to do it from working with Rico. I never got a job, never got a dime from him. And at that time, I was writing for Arsenio Hall, so, I mean, I was okay, so I was working, and I knew that staying on that radio show in L.A. made me popular in L.A., which is what it did. I, it did what I wanted it to do. And a lot of people don't see that. They, they seem to take things for, well, how much money I'm going to make? Sometimes you might not make any money. So you might not. If you, have, if you have a determination to do something and you become good at it, remember this if you don't remember anything else. If you have a determination, meaning that there's something in your life that you would do for free, even being dancing on the pole or, you know, getting your ass spanked or whatever, once you become whatever. good at it, whatever, once you become good at it, if you do it for a long amount of time uh, for free and you become good at it, somebody will pay you a lot of money to do it. Now, don't think because you're good at it and you're not making any money, what happens is that somebody might be better than you are. Right. And just because you're good don't mean you're going to get money. But if you become good, those things are a key opponent in terms of making money. You have to become good 
There are a lot of comments out there. No disrespect for Dave. I still get nervous 
even in my own club. I'll, I'll go on the really? stage and man, it's it's really bad. Has it has it subsided over the years, or no, has it got no, what? No, 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 no. It's 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 about the same level, you know. Because you don't. I mean, for me, what I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on in the audience's mind. Uh, you know, one crazy dude with a pistol. <laughs> it all. It, 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 I'm just thinking he at my show. I'm just thinking. <laughs> Wait a minute, really? Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. I, I'll I look out there and I'm like, oh lord, you know. And especially, especially if I I see an audience where I, I think that you know I can't connect to, like, or if they're really younger, you know, mm. like me, me me being older, I see younger people. Like I'll do colleges. I'm like, oh lord, you know. Now I gotta be know. honest, colleges scare the shit out of me because I'd be they like, do. man, what am I gonna say to these little bastards? <laughs> Like I went to trade school, and I'm talking to people who were going to college. They're so right. educated, they know, but they want to just they want to laugh, you know. And every time I go, I say, you know, I don't have a clean show, and they'll say, well, we don't want a clean show. <laughs> who the hell want a clean show? Right, right. Who signed up for that? <laughs> yeah, man. So it's yeah, it's just it's just something I go through, man. I, I don't know. Even when like when I do Ricky, when I when I get ready to go my theme. You know, I work on it so hard. I had a guy, uh, a friend of mine named James House, who's a, a theater director in uh, Raleigh, Durham. Yeah. And he helped me a lot. But man, your scene up next, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, really? Yeah, you next, man. I'm like, oh, Lord. Because I got to know, I just got to know my lines. I just have to know them. Right. And when I don't, you know, and you know, when you know them, you can play around with them. But when you don't know them, and it's the same thing with comedy. So I walk up there and go, what, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? But Jay, but, Jay, I didn't watch you say, you know what, I'm going to do about two seconds, and it turned into oh. 78 minutes. <laughs> So, I mean, that's just so amazing to me, and I, and, and I really wanted the uh, young comics that were listening to the show to hear that, because people think that they're the only person that goes through these little phenomena yeah, in get, our game, man. No, I get, I get, I get, I get frightened. It, it is scary. It is, it is like, this is like, man, I, 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 and I like to watch you, you just go up there and you just, you know, you have it, well, I love, I'm a comic that likes comics, now, what a yeah. lot of people don't know, comics can be some evil ass people. Oh my God. Let me say people who listen, <laughs> let me say something about evil. evil. You think you think axe murderers and rapists yeah. they're evil people. No, no, no. <laughs> serious. They they are evil people. But you're talking about a group of people that really wish for your downfall whenever you walk on stage, it is another comedian. Yeah. They man. really and no, and I'm also saying this, there's nothing funnier in the world to watch another comedian bomb. And we've all been there. Wait a minute, Jay. You can't you laugh at nobody, Bobby, can you? Who? Who can't? It hurts my soul when I see somebody bomb, man. serious, man? Because I have bombed so bad. <laughs> and we all have bombed. This will get me the people to act like they never bombed. I'm like, you are a fucking liar. Anybody telling you they ain't never bombed, they're lying their ass off. And, and let me tell you something else about bombing. It is the most hurtful thing in the world. It, it feels like your mama died all over again. <laughs> and my mama dead. 
it is, it is, it, you know what I'm going to do. It hurts yeah, so bad. Yeah, it does. And not only that, when you run, other comics treat you like you got the plague. Like you you got can't, no, won't nobody shake your hand. <laughs> People won't make eye contact with you. You might as well have a scarlet letter on your chest. <laughs> You know, uh, we, we did um, the family reunion, the time during the family reunion this year, and you put up the young kid from um, from Baltimore. And uh young kid, and, you know, it, he had a tough one. He had a little tough one. It wasn't even a tough one. He had a tough one. He bombed. So wait, so wait, Jay. So he bombed, right? He's like, man, he's like, Rodney Perry, you know, I was like, man, don't don't touch me right now because I got to go up. So I don't want to, I don't want his bomb to rub off on me. But but one thing I, I, I applaud and, and especially, you know, you and, and people like Michael Collier, y'all go out your way to mentor the guys that's coming up, you know, from advice you done gave me over the years. I know you created a club not only as a, a revenue stream and a tax shelter, <laughs> but, but a way to create an opportunity for cats to get on stage, man. So yeah. speak, speak to me about mentorship and, and talk about the J-Spot. I think one of the things that young comics need and what they really want from older comics is people don't really get this. And I'll tell you where I got it from. When I first moved to L.A., I did not know a soul here. I had previously met George Wallace in Atlanta. And I told George, I'm coming to L.A. He said, okay, young brother, when you get out of there, you know, because George is much older than me. Much. <laughs> right. <laughs> George... George did jokes at the first supper, not the last. Ah, the first supper. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was Judas yet. Yeah, yeah, he had a. It was just, it was just four guys at this supper. He only had four, and George went up and entertained the group. Hilarious. The, the first supper. The first supper. The first supper. A lot of people don't know. You got to read the Bible. It's in there. The first supper is in there. But anyway, he told me when I come out to L.A., and he said, man, come out, we'll hang out, right? Now, George Wallace was my idol because I would see him on television. And I come to L.A., I go up to the comedy store, George is on stage. I said, well, I'll wait till he comes out of stage. He comes out of stage, he walks right by. I'm like, damn. But then he comes back. He said, oh, yeah, man, I remember you, you the guy I met in Atlanta. Here's what I want, and here's what most young comics want from older comics. They just want to talk to you, man. Yeah. They just want to. They just want to hear you say what you've been through, what it's like. You. They don't want to. Some of them might want to borrow some money, but hey, that, that's, <laughs> that's part of the thing. You, you, you make nice money. What if a dude come and say, "Man, I, I ain't got uh, fifty bucks, uh, you know, to get my car." Give him the. Give him. Give him the fucking money. Pass it on. They yeah. just want you to talk to them. They ain't trying to be your buddy. They ain't trying to hang with you. They just want conversation. And that man, when he sat down and talked to me, that made me feel like I'm a part of L.A. I know somebody that's doing the same thing I'm doing. You know, we we, we since became friends, but in the beginning, it wasn't like, oh, man, I'm going to get to hang out with you. I was glad the dude talked to me. And so a lot right. of comics, when they see younger comics, they don't give them the time of day. I will. I will try to talk to any young comic. I will. You come to my club if I'm there. Say, hey, I'm gonna. I'll put your ass on tape. Now, if you bomb, 
Uh-oh. <laughs> well, if you bomb, I'm going to talk about you like a dog. But <laughs> let me tell you what's going to happen. Yeah. Talking about you like a dog will make you go home and say, you know what? I don't ever want to do this again. Or it will make you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to come back the next time and I'm going to be better. Yeah. It happened to me. I will talk to anybody about this business. You know, I'm so blessed, and I'm I'm 60 years old, and I'm going on shows with young cats. This is a blessing, man. This don't yes, happen sir. to a lot of people. A lot Very of people doing this longer than I have, funnier than me. They didn't get to break that. I'm on a national television show. I'm on a I'm on a hit TV show. I'm getting ready to write a book, and and I I still got my whereabouts. You talk to you meet Dick Gregory anywhere in the world, man. He'll sit down and talk to you. Now, he's going to tell you that um, the Russians are coming up and <laughs> And don't eat white rice. <laughs> and, and don't eat white rice. And, and that the beans you eat have a listening device in them. But he will, <laughs> he's, going, he's going to talk to you. Yeah. And that, that is, that's so uplifting when you're, when you're starting in this business. That's what people want. They don't want <laughs> the money. They don't want the time oh, you want. They want to be able to sit down and chat. You know, Dick Rager's going to tell you that. that hey, uh, ice, <laughs> you get out of your refrigerator, man. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, Jay. You silly, man. Hey, ice Perry, your refrigerator is loose with a truth serum, man. Everybody know that. This is Roddy Perry. You're tuned in to Roddy Perry Live. We're talking to Jesse Brown. And don't eat the beans, y'all. Don't eat the fucking beans. <laughs> when we come back, I want to talk to Jesse Brown, the actor, man. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all stay right there. We'll be right back. This is Roddy Perry. What's up, everybody around the world? Thanks for tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. Remember to follow Rodney on Twitter, at Rodney Perry. And for all of your Rodney Perry updates, text Rodney Perry, with no spaces, to 41411. Again, to stay up to date, text Rodney Perry, with no spaces, to 41411. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Rodney Perry, and I got a shout-out to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. That's the nation's largest group of broadcasting schools. Go to their website, www.gocsb.com, or you can call them, 678-205-2210. Connecticut School of Broadcasting. They got my back, player! Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you see my bootleg commercials. Hey, y'all, this is Rodney Perry. <laughs> Uh, we're back with Jesse Brown. I just realized I say my name a whole lot on this show, but uh, we branding, baby. Um, yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, that's how you do it, man. I, I, I want to start with the TV show. I want to go into the movies, and then I want you to double back to the Arsenio Hall show. So, um, Drumline, you played the villain in this movie, which, you know, I don't know if I was even prepared to be kind of – I was mad at your ass. <laughs> like, and you know, when you're mad at somebody you know, you're like, man, that, you really did a good job. And then you, 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 you bone Jennifer Lewis and think like a man. What else do you want? What else do you do in your career? Well, what they did, they cut out the scene that's going to be in Think Like a Man 2, where I tore that ass. Up. That was, I mean, I flipped that ass over no, and no you I put raw hot butter on that ass and Oh, they lost that. Yeah, no, they got it. It's going to be in Think Like a Man too. 
Yeah, that's sex scene. It's steamy. It is steamy. so steamy. Ew, it's so steamy. Yes. And Man, I, you... I re- how I got on that, I called Steve up and asked him, could I be in the movie? Okay. And it's like, if you don't ask, sometimes things won't come to you. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. I asked dude. I've been knowing the dude for 20 years. I wrote on his show. Hey, man, can I be in the movie? Are you kidding me? Well, we'll have, we'll find something for you. Yeah, it's simple. I got yeah, on Arsenio like because of a friend of mine by the name of Paul Clay <clears throat> was writing for Arsenio. I knew Paul from Atlanta. When I first got to L.A., the very first day, he said, come over to Paramount, have lunch with me. The first day I land in Atlanta, I mean, in L.A., I wake up the next day, and I'm walking on Paramount lot. That's amazing. This is like... This is, I'm, I'm like, I'm blown away. I'm seeing Star Trek people walk by. And, you know, I'm like, this is, I, I see the tape where they did Jaws. I get to go on this lot. I mean, this is like, wow. My name was at the gate. I get to walk on the lot. I get to go to the Arsenio Hall. I don't see Arsenio, but I'm sitting in there with Paul Clay and another guy, Barry, I can't remember Barry's last name, and they're writing jokes for the show. I don't, I've never, I've never really thought about how I could write a joke. He said, well, we're talking about, you know, um, Latoya Jackson today, and we're writing jokes on Latoya Jackson. Paul is typing, Barry is looking there, and everything that they thought was funny, they type it down. We're going to go to lunch when they finish. You and I in the room together, I'm writing jokes. We're going to go to lunch when we finish. You're going to help me write jokes. Yeah, you're yeah. Throw, you're going to throw out something. Yeah. So one, because I'm hungry. Yeah, because you're hungry. It's got time to deal with. And so yeah. I, I'm yelling out, yeah, you can do this. Now, what people don't know is, to this day, I cannot type or spell. Wait I got a, minute. a job. I got a job as a right. writer. Right. I got a job as a writer. And the people a member of the writer's guild. A member of the writer's guild. But you know how I did this? I couldn't write or spell. I knew that there were a bunch of people out there who could write and spell. So I hired a lady to take dictations for me, I would get up at, at 5 o'clock in the morning, get the USA Today, look in there, pick out my story, call this lady up. Now, you got to understand, this is before the fax machine. Right. People were, well, how long ago was this? It wasn't that long ago. The yeah. fax machine ain't been around that long. The, uh, the, cell, uh, um, uh, uh, the, the cell phone hadn't been around that long. Not at all. I would call this lady on the phone and tell her my joke. This was an old Jewish lady. A lot of the jokes she didn't get. By the time I go drive over to her house, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This ain't what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got to turn these jokes in. Now, I got to sit there at the typewriter and try to retype them myself. I got the guidelines, and that's how I did it. And I'm saying that to say this. Don't let what you don't have stop you from what it is you want. A lot of people say, well, I would like my own radio show. Well, ain't nobody going to give me a job. You can go on the Internet and start your own radio show. Yes, I'd like to be on. I'd like to open my own comedy club, but I don't have a club. Well, you can find a room in somebody's hotel and let you host a talent night, or I want to be an, an actor or a writer. Anybody can buy a, You can take a camera in your cell phone and make a movie. So yep. you've you got pretty much everything you want when you ask for something. It's upon you to go out and make it work for yourself. And that's what I did. That's what I always do. only reason I opened a club is because every time I would start a comedy night in one of these clubs, 
when I would have to go out of town, by the time I come back, the club owner done took the night. You know yep. how they do. Well, we uh, we we decided we gonna do it ourselves. You know, I'm like mm-hmm. this happened like four or five times. I couldn't get up in some of the clubs. I go on the road and I'm not in the clique in L.A., so I'm not gonna go up to the comedy at, comedy store and stand around and get on stage at one o'clock in the fucking morning. I'm not gonna do that. No, so not I at all. My own room. I open my own room, and that's that's why I open the day spot. So that's basically what it is, man. You know, like, like yourself. You know, you want to do your own radio show, so you say you Star know the is right. Start one. Yep. Yep. Start great, one. great, 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 great words. Hey, y'all, this is Roddy Perry. We're talking to Jansony Brown, man. Jay, you dropping so many jewels of wisdom on us. Um, you're currently on Ricky Smiley. Uh, the show is it's a hit. You are, just to hear you say you're nervous, I can't see it, because I, I had a chance to be on the set. And let me tell you something. The stuff you do is so. I mean, do do you have a filter at all? No, no. But that's that's the type of show it is, man. You know, you work with Ricky, you work with Ray J, you work with Victoria, and Victoria, I understand, just started is doing stand up, and so I'm definitely done it. But it's it's a group of people that work together well, and we've never worked together before, not in that setting. I mean, I've done shows with Ricky. I, I knew Ray J because I used to do the warm-ups over at Brandy, but he was a young kid. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't like I was sitting down and conversing with him. Victoria, and that nucleus that we have inside the radio station, it works, man. It works. The nucleus that he has at home with him and the kids and, and Roz, it works. So it just works. And just going to show you how sometimes God has another plan for you. Um, Roz, Ryan, and I auditioned. For another show, and we were the, one of the last two people to get picked. It was between us and then somebody else. To this, this set and another set. We auditioned. I auditioned for the show like six times. Wow. I didn't get it. And then they say I got the Ricky Smiley show. So you know, sometimes God got another plan for you that you don't even know nothing about, man. Hey man. <laughs> Man, you 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 really filling me up today, y'all. This is Rodney Perry. You're tuning in to Rodney Perry Live. My man, Jesse Brown, man. I, I I personally draw comparisons to you. I, I think because we got like spirits on stage. I mean, you just you always seem to come. Your comedy always come from like a a happy place. Is that a choice you made as a comedian? Yeah, I mean, I wanted. I always took a a, a conscious effort to not make people feel bad when they come to a J. Anthony Brown show. Now, don't get me wrong. If something happens in the audience, I can make I can make fun of you and then somewhat make fun of myself mm-hmm. so that the person... I don't want to humiliate. I've seen comics. I've seen comics, and you have two who don't yeah. know when to stop. You know, you know, there's a certain point, like in the movie, uh, the um, the mm-hmm. Nuggets of Seth. Yes, yes. That type of comic, and they exist, but they don't know how to stop. You got to understand, people come to the club to have a good time. And they don't mind you make, been making fun of them, but then when is this going to stop? You know, like in my club, uh, say somebody has come in with a large glitter suit on, matching hat, pants, and shoes. Well, that's a gift from the comedy god. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing that in. It showed up late. Thank you for showing me that. Now, here's what I'm going to If I'm the MC, I'm going to, especially if it's my club, if I'm the MC, I'm going to make fun of him. And then maybe the second person will go up and make fun of him. Yeah. But it ain't going to be all night because I'm going to pull the next two comments aside and say, you know what, lighten up, 
do your jokes. Yeah. If I get white people coming to my show, okay, we're going to make fun, we're going to do the white joke, but it ain't going to be every comment because I'm going to pull your ass to the side and say, lay off the white people. It's enough. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to dictate anybody's support. People come to the club to have a good time. And one of, one of your standout segments on the Tom Jordan Morning Show is the fact that you will not hesitate to murder a hit. You you are on record so many. You do you probably have a a library as extensive as Prince? <laughs> I think I, I think I think my with my team. I think we've written more records than Prince. I think we have. You got to understand we've done uh, forty to fifty a, a, a year times fifteen. That's the number. That's how long I've been on the show. Wow, that's a lot of songs. But, that's know, a lot of songs. I have a, a great, I have a great team. Ralph, uh, Reggie Hawk, Red, Reggie, Ralph Hawkins does the music, and Reggie does does the words. I'll come up with a concept. I'll hit them dudes up. You do words, you do music. I'll go in the studio and knock it out. So I mean, you you got to have a team behind you, and that's my team. And we've been together, man, about six, seven years. So I think the music is better now than it's ever been. Oh, it, it sounds great. Hey, y'all, I tell you yeah. what, I, we ain't going to talk about it no more. Y'all stay right there. And, and if you want to talk to Jay, give us a call, 718-305-6383. We're talking to Jansony Brown, and he will murder a motherfucking hit. <laughs> Obama made a fool of you. Rami, you love the second round. You won the first one, though. Thought it's gonna be like the last time you went for the rope of dope. Obama made you look like a clown each time he took the blow. Smack your own woman, equal pay, and more. You tried to cut him off, play him like he was soft. He checked you hard, yet he remained composed. And then he thanked you well on every damn issue. The moderator had to check you too. Obama made a fool of you. 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 Oh, Obama made a fool of you. Obama made a fool of you. Obama made a fool of you. Hey, y'all, we are back. This is Roddy Prayer. You're tuned to the Roddy Prayer Live, talking to Jazzy Brown. What was the first song that you that you murdered? What was the very first one? Uh, I think it was One Last Fry. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian McKnight. Right. And so did you know when you did that song that it was going to become this? Like, when did, when did you look up and go, I'd have done about 40 of these? Well, I mean, you, I've done, you just, you don't know, you know. You, I mean, now I listen to songs differently. Now I'm listening to songs in terms of how can I make a hit out of it. You know, okay. I hear I hear the song and then I hear, okay, yeah, we can do that, we can do that. Like Obama made a fool out of you. 
when I heard the Babyface song, I'm like, oh, I can do that. I just did a, the Men in Black song, uh, Please Bring Obama Back. So it's just, it's just, it's just all day long, and it's stuff we all do. Right. Song parodies is nothing new. We all change the. We've all done. Uh, sometimes by on purpose or by mistake, we change the words to a song. And parodies have been around since since the beginning of time. Parodies was a way to make fun of royalty and make fun of the king, where they would take popular songs and change the words into in that song and sing about the person that was in charge. And because it had music to them, it did, they didn't really get the head chopped off. You know, if you were to say some of those words, you'd probably get your head checked off. Right. But if you put it in a parody, like, oh, the king's robbing us from all of our riches, and he's sitting up there with his big fat wife, you know, that type of stuff. Got and it. So parodies have always been around. I mean, it's nothing new. And it's a way to make fun of things in the news, and it palates it because it's coming to you with a familiar tune and it's changing the words. Everybody know that song by Babyface, changing the words. I want to hear the words, and I like that song. So it's feeding you something with something you already know. Right. Now, now I, you gave us some tidbits nobody know about you. You know, we, we find out Jay, Jay got crazy stage fright. You know, we <laughs> found out that he don't, he don't spell or read good. But what people really don't know, is you are the most technologically sound dude I've ever met. You got every, I thought I was Inspector Gadget, but you got every gadget known to man. I love it. <laughs> Have you always been like that? It's because, you know, I could just, I was a kid that would, some, your mama would give you something, and i try to get two of them because I'm going to tear one up. <laughs> right, take it apart. You know, I mean, I'm gonna take it apart. I was, I remember this is weird. I could have my my mama's house would be burnt down to this day. When I was a small kid, you, I don't know if you've ever seen them. I'm much older than you. They had they had these lights. You know, how you go to the club and you play the music, and the music would vibrate. The music would vibrate with the song. You know? Right, the light, the light would go with the beat. Yeah. Yeah, but this was a, a big electronic system that I knew nothing about. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't have that. So I figured if I took a regular light, this is, I'm, I'm, it's amazing how I, had, I didn't shock myself. <laughs> and I, you ain't, wait, you ain't unplugged, no power, no, nothing. No, I didn't know. I unplugged it. I unplugged it. Okay. And I took a regular extension cord wire. Okay. Separate, you know how you take the wire and separate it. So now you have two wires. Okay. Take one wire and put it under the speaker. Take the other wire and split it. And lay that with a piece of aluminum foil on on each end so that when the music vibrates, the light on the other end would 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 react. It worked. It, it worked? It worked. It worked. <laughs> now, Here's the thing. If you touch both of those wires at the same time. <laughs> it's a bad day. It's, a, it's not a good day for your ass. <laughs> did, did, you ain't touch them together, did you? Uh, yes. That's how I... I how you, how you find out? <laughs> that's how you find out. Oh, God. Oh, so silly, man. <laughs> 
tell me, tell me about Jansen Brown the tailor, man. I've always heard stories about you being a tailor and how that's kind of you know you the way you started. That's how you became such a man of the haberdashery. Haberdashery. You know? Well, I started out when I first you know how you leave your mama's house, and I wanted to be a fashion designer. I wanted, to, and most fashion designers I found out in the beginning from reading that they couldn't sew, they could draw, but a mm-hmm. lot of them couldn't sew. So I was going to learn, I was going to go to tailoring school, and I went to tailoring school in Denmark, South Carolina, for a year, and my next step was to go to designing school, where they would teach you the art of drawing and making patterns and stuff like that. So um, I moved to Atlanta from uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and I get ready to go to school, but my grant is short, $317. So they would not let me start school, so I'm I, I'm not going to go back to Columbia. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. There's no way in hell I'm going back to Columbia where my dream was crushed. And I just always wanted to be a comedian. I just, I just it was just something in my blood. Mm-hmm. But I still had the stage fright. And I found out that they had this thing called Mr. V's Figure Eight. It was in Atlanta. It was on Camerton Road. No, they had this thing called... Um, Another place, and and I they had an amateur night, and and uh, and I went up there an amateur night, and I mean bomb, I mean seriously bomb, right? I, it was just horrible, and I was still working as a tailor. Now being a tailor allowed me to have a nice living, and I could hit the clubs at night. But before I went back up on stage, Rodney, I'm telling you, man, as a tailor, I would literally literally sit at my sewing machine and talk to myself because I was working my routine out. And you know that sometimes you got to say, you got to mouth the words in your existence before you can say them on stage. Yeah, very you know, true. That's, that's, or you got to say, uh, you got to say it over and over before you get it. And that's what I would do. They thought I was crazy, but I was working on my routine. And anytime I said something funny, sitting that machine, doing the alteration, him and pants or taking up the weight or whatever, I'd write it down. I'd laugh to myself. And write it down, and that—that's just I'm saying. That was a determination I had in terms of moving from one thing to the other, and I knew that I didn't speak well. I bought a cheap tape recorder, and I listened to my stuff. And in terms of talking, I'm going and uh, you know what I'm talking about. You see what I'm saying? You know what's going on? Nobody want to hear that. Right, right, <laughs> very know, true. So I, I I learned to talk. I would buy Eddie Murphy's albums, and I buy Richard Pryor. And I'm like, these dudes are talking on the same subject for seven minutes. Yeah. Trust me, I don't, you know what I'm talking about when yeah, I say that. Yeah, very true. You hear, you hear, Eddie Murphy would do that stuff about, about his kids. Uh, I mean, about growing up in a, I'm like, he's been doing this thing. He's seven minutes into this bit. Yeah. He hasn't even gone to the next bit yet. So I said to myself, well, what I need to do, my what, what my problem is, is that, I have not mastered the ability to talk about one thing for any length of time. Mm. I put at the watch. I say, for the next minute, I'm going to only talk about getting my ass beat. And I would make myself stay on that subject. Anything that came up on that subject, I'd write it down. And then I would turn all the TV. I'd turn the TV on. I'd turn the radio on. And I'd turn the music on. So I would have distractions. So no matter what, I could stay in my head about what I was doing. And that's how I worked out. Because there were no comedy clubs. Comedy clubs right. go out and work. You know, they, were, they, they weren't like they are now. 
So really in terms of if there's something you want to do, it's how you make it happen for yourself, man. That's how I got from one thing to the other. That happened to me. That's how I did it. Man, that, that's such a such a great story. Um, you you popped on on the national radar on Def Comedy Jam with the phrase "Watch out there now." That was. I'm I'm, I'm right. Like I said, I'm writing a book called "Watch Out There Now." James and Brown's number one bestseller. That's the name of the book. <laughs> that's the name of the book. <laughs> number one bestseller is in the title. No, yeah, James I love Brown. it. I love it. You gotta love it. David Brown, watch out there now, number one bestseller. <laughs> so I came up with a friend of mine named David Horowitz, who is a, a producer. He's the executive producer of the show called um, Fear Factor. If you look on there, you see uh-huh, his name. Uh-huh. I met him. He was a segment producer. For those of you who don't know what a segment producer is, I said you want to do about people uh, almost getting hit on the curb. All right, the second producer would go out, and he would produce just that bit. When you watch David Letterman or you watch Jimmy Fallon, all those bits, each person has a producer that would produce each bit. And then they would show it to Arsenio and, or, or David Letterman or whatever, and then they'd show it on the air. That's what a, a segment producer. He was a segment producer. He took me to my first hockey game. While going to the hockey game, there's a dude approaching me, a black guy, and David and I are walking, and he says, hey, young fella, what's going on? Well, you being a comedian, you know how it is. Something can happen to you in the course of that day. You say, you know what, I'm going to put that in my act. So I turn to David and I say, see, that's the difference about how old people talk and young people talk. And I say, that's, young people go, hey, what's up, what's going on? But older guys get more experience. They go, what got that now? <laughs> I put that in. I mean, it's just a bit, you know. It wasn't like yeah. I never thought what. Once I do this, this is going to be worldwide. I right. didn't even think like that. Go to Def Jam. First of all, everything was supposed to happen. God was supposed to, I was supposed to go to Def Jam. I had a manager out there tonight named Beverly Hughes. Beautiful lady. I think she still works with Louis Dick. But she told me not to do Def Jam. She said, that's beneath you. I said, uh. you got to be out of your fucking mind. I think at that time, <laughs> they were paying $1,500 to do the show. I'm going. I'm going. And they paid $50 a day. So you would be there for two days. So you got, you get $75 for each day to eat, and they put you up in a hotel. All you got to do is get there. Well, I drove my car. I got $1,500, and I got $75 for the two days. The first day you get there, and the next day you take. Are you kidding me? Are you telling me I'm not going to do this show? You I'm going. To, I'm going. I'm going. And I didn't really think it's going to blow up. I went, I, my thing is, I'm doing this show. A lady by the name of Sharon Pennick, who was working for Arsenio at the time, mm-hmm. knew, um, 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 not Russell, but Russell, who's Russell's right-hand guy? Uh, uh, Bob you know, Sumner. Bob Sumner. She knew Bob Sumner. They went to school together. She said, we got a writer on here. He's very funny. He said, well, I ain't never seen the nigga. I don't know. Okay, that's okay. I'm telling you, he's funny. I go to New York. The way the show went, which is as follows. At 12 o'clock, they had rehearsal. You had to do your first joke that you were going to open with for the camera, and you had to do your closing joke. So the camera would know when to pull out to do a wide shot, and you say goodnight. In rehearsal, I did a joke that I was going to do, and I've done the joke. I'm not saying I invented the joke, but until I did it, I never heard anybody else do it. 
Right. So I'm thinking I'm the first one to do it. I did a joke about people having small teeth, don't have a nice teeth in the mouth, and how they laugh and cover their mouth. That was the joke. <laughs> that was my joke. That right. was my first joke. All right, showtime. It's eight o'clock at night. I'm on like the third show, and the way they would do it, they would do four comments first show, four comments second show, four comments third show. So they shoot three shows. I'm on the second show. The night of the show, one of the comedians who was at the rehearsal does my, he, he does my joke. He does. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> now, I, ain't, I ain't been in the business that long, Rodney, so I don't have a whole lot of time. And I can't go out on stage and go, he did my joke. Don't nobody know. Yeah. But what you got to understand, if I've seen in the joke, the person that they stole it from ain't there. So when the audience hears it, they hear genius. They're going right. to take your shit, they're going to take my shit, and they're going to take everybody's shit, and they're going to go to Kentucky and do it. And the audience yeah. is going, that boy is brilliant. So by the time you get there, it was a dude that something just like yours. Like, wait, well, that's your shit. But you can't. <laughs> so what? Yeah. So what? What are you going to do about it? Anyway, he does the joke before I go up. I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And I swear, Rodney, my purpose was not to go out there mad. Because I knew if I went out mad, I take Bad the energy. Yeah. I take the energy. There's a little, I don't know where I found this place at. But there was a little boiler place down in the basement. Before I went in, I want to say I would go down in the basement, and I, I swear to God, I prayed. I said, "Lord, please don't let me get mad. Let me just stay calm. Let me put something else in there. I, I got to take that joke out." And I put in the watch out there, not joke. Now, trust me, when I when I did the joke, I never thought it would get the laugh that it got. I, I never, I never, because we all got a piece now that we go. When I get to this, oh y'all laughing now. You wait till you hear this shit. I got to <laughs> When you first start, you don't have that. You don't right, know. Right, right, right. So, man, I did it. And I've since back, I haven't only watched that thing maybe three times. But I go back and I watch that. And I'm like, man, the room just exploded. When yeah. I did the watch out that night and I did not, then I just popped along with the Kool-Aid. And then I did the, 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 the Jerry Curl thing. It just, the room just blew up. It just blew up, and that became the book. It wasn't by design. It was. It was just happened. It was. It just. It just happened that way. Hey, hey my my mama called that divine design, and it man. Was. It, it, it was absolutely divine design to have you on today, man. I I can't tell you, you dropped so many jewels of wisdom on 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 me personally, and I'm sure anybody that's ever gonna listen. What, uh, what's next for Jansney Brown? Well, next is I'm writing a book, Jansney yeah. Brown. Watch out there now, number one bestseller. Working on that. Yeah. All the song parodies, all the Barack Obama song parodies that I did that you want to play today, they're all gonna be up on iTunes by tomorrow. And we're working on opening another club. I produce um, a TV show called Words, and I'm working on pitching some other stuff to Roger Bob. Roger Bob is the executive producer. He's a producer yeah. of the Ricky Smiley show. So, you know, do it yourself. That's what I admire about you. Nobody's giving it to you. Come up with your own ideas. We all got a camera. You can shoot ideas. You can write it out. If you can't write and spell as good as I can, get somebody to help you. So don't let what you don't have get in the way of what you're trying to get. That's just my motto, man. Hey, words to live by from Jansley Brown. AJ, thank you so much. It's well, been awesome, you, awesome talking to you, man. God bless you and your family, and have a great rest of the day. And everybody, get out there and vote. Get if your you ass out there and vote. <laughs> That's the new slogan. Get your ass 
Out there and vote. That My name is Rodney Perry. Big megaphone to say that. Have a good man. Have a good day, bro. I love you, man. Uh, Yes, sir. Hey, y'all, uh, thank you so much for tuning in today. That's my man, Janthony Brown. Uh, you can check him out, com. He's got all kind of great stuff going on, man. And it's just a good guy, a good human being. As you saw, he dropped jewels of wisdom on us from top to bottom. The website is jansonybrown.com. And uh, go to at JSpot Comedy Club on Twitter. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Janthony Brown. Y'all be good. We out. Four, three, two, uno. What up, y'all? It is time for Off the Chain with me, Rodney Perry. I'm your host. My girl, DJ Tracy Steele, is on the ones and twos, and we premiere October 22nd, 9 p.m. on Bounce TV. You don't want to miss it. The best in stand-up comedy. Let me tell y'all something. It's going to be so off the chain. Did I say that? Off the chain. I'm crazy. Bounce TV. That's www.bouncetv.com. Hit them up on Twitter. Bounce underscore TV. They're at bounce underscore TV. This is Rodney Perry, and I'm the host, bitch.